Hello, listeners, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Edgeguard, the podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. My name is Blake, and I'm joined, as always, by my my uh, trusty companion, my my uh, ever-present patriot, Jordan. Trusty companion makes it sound like I'm your sidekick, like no, I'm a lackey. My, I'm Sancho Panza my... or Robin. Wow, or... you, you went straight to Sancho, huh? Yeah, you really have a low opinion of yourself, there, bud. <laughs> well, you said trusty. It makes it sound like I'm your, uh, I'm an item on your utility belt. Uh, trusted advisor. Trusted you know, advisor. That's equal better. in every way. My my, uh, you know, um, my overlord and superior would have confidant. Been preferable, but you know, whatever. Overlord and superior. My my god and king. <laughs> god and king. Excellent. Is that good enough for you? Uh, anyway, today we're here to talk about uh, no gods or kings, probably. Well, uh, kind of. Uh, we're we're talking about uh, a little game by the name of Don't Split the Party, uh, which is about a a, a group of uh, friends who have um, been a, not super close lately, uh, re reconnecting to finish their D and D campaign. Mm-hmm. And sort of the the tension that uh, ensues, and that's the game basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like an interactive fiction sort of um, uh, a, a social simulation challenge, I guess is the it would be like a generic designation. But basically, you're uh, it's all um, uh, like text uh, interaction, and you all the gameplay is selecting. Uh, how you respond to your friends and basically you play as a dungeon master and there's moments where you sort of choose what's happening in the adventure and that affects uh, uh, how your your friends react to each other specifically there's two of them that are uh, they have some bad blood between them that you are just getting introduced to because you've been out of the country for a couple years uh, is it a couple years I thought it was like a semester I thought it was two years I don't think so. Okay, maybe it was know, they maybe. haven't played in a long time, but you've been out of the country for only a mm. semester. That might be what it was. Also, you're like college age kids. Sure. Um, and then just before we continue, the game is uh, by a few people, two primary uh, people in charge of uh, design and narrative, which is Benjamin Bello and Nick Carbonara, um, who are game... well. Uh, Benjamin Bell is a game design student. Nick Carbonara, I think, is formerly a game de- design student. Now is an independent uh, game and narrative designer. Um, art by Snippy Win, uh, Nguyen. Uh, music by Lonnie Jordan. And voice acting by Caitlin Falls, Emma Rain, Benjamin Bello, Brianna Gary, and Riley Horwitz. Um, so yeah, they uh, there is there is some uh, voice acting. The kind of like. Not every line is voice acted, but the characters have like little phrases that pop up when they say something like, let's do it or whatever. Yeah. Which was, I was kind of glad for, I was a little bit nervous with uh full voice acting in a, in a game this small. I feel like you're just asking for some, uh, some, some questionable performances, but yeah. since it's just people going like, Hey, or like, yeah, let's do it. It's like, or, okay. Ugh, not again you know like yeah. they're basically the the voice acting is basically like tone setting like um yeah. whenever yeah. the a new sort of like uh the the characters all also have um i got to say the drawings of the characters are quite good 
Uh, but mm-hmm. they, they all have, it's not like fully animated. They each have it like four or five no. emotional states, Pure basically. Sure. It's like, you know, just their passive state. They're happy. Uh, their awkward face. You see that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then two of the characters have like a mad face. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, that's the, that's what you, what you see of them primarily. And just before I forget about it, one thing I did want to say is, um, mm-hmm. uh, although the sort of like, uh, social dynamics I felt were pretty realistic. The mm-hmm. one totally unrealistic thing is that you have a group of five Dungeons and Dragons players that are all this attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you just had to take it there. You just no, had no, no. to take it there. I just, uh, they are all like, uh, you know, as many yeah. like visual novel characters are kind of like sure. unbelievably, really, really like, hot. Yeah, yeah, for hot. sure. All of them. <laughs> and so yeah, it's, it's uh, I definitely was like, you know, this is a, this is an attractive party here. Yeah, to, really it's weird that we both had that thought and it's like, <laughs> I don't know, kind of, I kind of felt bad for having it because it's like, <laughs> listen, it's 2019. Not all D and D players are, uh, you know, gross nerds. And also that's kind of a shitty stereotype of like, oh, it, no, it, it definitely is. But the, the, the main thing I, um, so yeah, on the one hand, Kudos for, you know, expanding the repertoire of hot people representation people we imagine playing D&D. But I, I guess it just was like they're also just like uh, statistically unusually hot for any group of five people. That's yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like any group of five people hanging out doing anything it's like, all right, some's a, this is rigged a little bit. Yeah. Uh. Um, yeah. but that was just a, just a little thing I noticed. Um, so the, the, the main, um, well, maybe the first, first thing to say about this is, uh, uh, I thought it'd be useful to just compare our, our endings. So we're just gonna jump right into the spoilers. There's the warning. For oh me. shit. Okay. But, um, i just wanted to see, get a sense of how many different ways you could end the, and, yeah. and the dynamic because sort of the the basic uh plot is that uh lance and allison they tried to put a musical on together it didn't go well and now their friendship is strained and they're constantly arguing and they bring their argument into the into the world of the the D. and you're the the sort of goal for you as the dungeon master is to try to mediate between them enough for the the party to not split up complete, don't split the party the mission yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I played it twice and the first time I oh. I got the ending that the way people were talking about it, it seemed like it was a, a good but could have been better ending. Mm. Like there was still some tension, but they wanted to keep playing. Yeah. And then the other time I was like, okay, what happens if I just like totally side with one person and Allison stormed oh, out? Shit. So and then it, oh, it didn't damn. even say the end, it said try again. So that was literally oh, like a, wow. a failure ending. I honestly didn't even know there were different endings. I was kind of curious. Um, oh, really? So I what did think you get? I, my guess would be I got the quote unquote best ending. Mm. Like, uh, I was actually kind of, uh, I won't say disappointed, but kind of like surprised at how like hunky dory everything ended up. It was like, by the end, it's everyone's like, we've resolved our differences and we're going to play another campaign because we like uh lance and allison go outside of the room have a little powwow and they're like yeah we're excited to play more and we think that we can we've moved past this okay so that might be the same ending i got then there was just like some line that was kind of like before they go outside where they were still kind of like 
mad at each other or something. But I guess mm. that maybe that is just the, that's the ideal ending is. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I don't know. It, it felt very, uh, very like almost too like happy. We resolved our problems. Yay. Yeah. Me, yeah. You, you didn't buy it. You thought Lance and Allison were going to still be at each other's throats. It's not that I didn't buy it. Well, I just didn't, I'm not sure how like earned it all felt like mm. we were kind of just, you know, things were going along and then suddenly it was like, mm, we're not mad at each other anymore because we've worked together to solve a bigger problem. And it's like, yeah, lady okay. Malakath, you know, we, <laughs> we killed her. We got her. I mean, I'm curious. Is the way that you kill her always the same? Um, with the amulet thing. Yeah. Like you, Lance gets the amulet off of her and then Gundren, Smashes her head Smashes in with a hammer. fucking head in with a hammer. <laughs> and she instantly dies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It, that's what happened for me. It could okay. be. I mean, it seems like probably. I, I bet you there's ways that you could lose to her, though, right? Like she kills somebody and then people freak out. Um. So I tried to. I That's basically what I was trying to do the second time. Like what happens? Because there's a few moments where you have the option to uh, do some some sneaky DM tricks to make the game go better, uh, yeah. which I interpreted as like, you're trying to ease the tension. So like Lance rolls uh-huh. an eight or something and you can fudge the roll or, uh, yeah, which I would never do. <laughs> oh, well then you must not have DM'd much. <laughs> I've never have. That's true. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, there's like moments where they're like, one person has an idea and another person has, counter idea and you can share details about the room that basically like everyone's like okay well clearly we should do this idea then mm. um like you could the moment when you're trying to figure out how to not get zapped by wizard man's lightning trap you can be mm. like there's chains in the corner uh and that that, that like helps allison's plan uh, oh sure um but on the topic of whether you can uh whether you can um uh, get them killed i i did not actually the the second time they stormed off before that could happen so i'm not sure if you can oh okay interesting yeah I w- i'd be curious to see i i don't know it's just speculation it seems like something that would happen is like you because you can have the um as the dm you can like kind of have the the dragon attack certain people or yeah. be like really nasty. You can be you can be that savage DM that's just out here holding holding nothing back, going for the throat. Um, what uh when so, when it says the dragon uh attacks everyone or attacks one, which did you pick? I had it attack one person. Oh, you did, and they didn't die. No, so it she like used a spell and immobilized uh, Gundren, so he just couldn't move. So he basically just was like out of the picture. Oh, um, interesting. For the whole fight, so he couldn't help. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was kind of kind of interesting. Um, I had her yeah. attack everyone, and she did a oh. just a shitload of damage to everyone. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that you brought this up because I guess I didn't realize how much actual different stuff could go on. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 sometimes hard with uh, games like this. Uh, to know whether there actually ha- are a lot of options or whether they're uh, they're tricking you into thinking there are a lot of yeah, options. Exactly. Because that's always like the balance with a game like this. Like, I don't know, the Mass Effect games are kind of notorious for this, where playing the first two games, you're like, wow, there must be so many options. And then playing the third one, you're like, 
actually they're tying all, all this up and was such a like neat way that clearly they were sort of uh pulling the wool over our eyes for a lot yeah, of that other stuff. You can stuff either that, get a red, green, or blue ending. <laughs> yeah. God, <laughs> I forgot. I wasn't even thinking about that. That was so <laughs> dumb. But it's more like, oh, if I did this in Mass Effect 1, then this character will be here. And if right. I did the other thing in Mass Effect 1, the same thing would happen, but it'd be the other character. And it really isn't that much of a difference. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, 40 billion people just walk up and be like, hey, Shepard, remember when you helped me? Thanks, buddy. Here's a gun. It's <laughs> like, okay. Yes, that's that's what it means to ha- make meaningful decisions. As someone walks yeah. up to you and be like, hey, hey, remember this? Hey, remember in Mass Effect 1? Remember for the Xbox 360? <laughs> when you saved me? Remember when you got my wife's casket sent to Earth? I think this, remember ca- that? this character is getting... a He's like a mixture of a, an old person and Morty from Rick and Morty. It's just this a voice. voice. It's just a random voice, you know. <laughs> or I did a D and D episode, so I had to do a character voice. Character you know? voice. Yeah, that is one mm. nice touch of this is when the characters are talking in their voice. It's got a more old timey yeah, uh, font, different font. Yeah, yeah. That's a that was a good one. I was like, I like that. Nice, touch. nice, and um, also okay. a very readable way to discern when they're in character and not in character. Yeah. And there are a few times where they'll, where they'll start talking out of character and then remember and go back into character, which is uh, yeah. very relatable. Yeah. Um, especially since you see, there's a few moments where they break character when it seems like yep. they're like, yep. there's one moment where they're arguing about something in game and then, yep. Then it transitions into a real life. They'll say argument. Lance rather than, or Lance or Allison yep. rather than their character mm-hmm. name. And it, you know, it's clear that this is about here's, something else. Yeah. Here's a question I had for you from a, a, a DM perspective. The the player character, the the dungeon master, uh, frequently refers to them by their real life names rather than their character names. Mm. Is it, I thought I was under the impression that's like a like a, a you know scrub scrub level move. You well, know? I kind of the thing I try to do, but I mean. And, you know, it's, you, there's a lot you have to keep track of in your brain yeah. as a dungeon master. So it doesn't always yeah. play this way, but I try to use people's real name when I'm talking about something out of world and their character yeah, like name. a meta. Yeah. Like a meta question, like, Oh, how many hit points do you have left or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or I will say sometimes I'll talk about them in the third person. Like what is character doing? Cause I think that it's like, it's, it's useful to, I mean this, this game's sort of about this, but like, yeah you gotta you gotta bracket especially if it's sure. a plot where like characters I mean, most D plots involve you all having the exact same obstacle and no reason to be like uh you know in character conniving mm-hmm. against each other sure. but it's useful to just like bracket the character as character yeah absolutely yeah um um oh i had another thought about DMing. Oh, but I do. I did feel like um, I've never had an experience of like two people like just straight up arguing with each other in the middle of uh, yeah role playing game. That sounds incredibly awkward, and I'd be like, "Please stop! Please don't do! <laughs> Please this. don't do this! This is weird." Um, uh-huh. But uh, I I did really feel like the the moments where you're the dungeon masters like debating whether to you know give them something. Get, throw them a bone because they're having a bad night. I was like, yeah, oh, I, re- I, I relate to that. Oh, okay, so yeah, that's that's. I'm glad you brought that up because you you have played quite a bit of like 
Dungeons and Dragons Pathfinder. Yeah. And you have been a DM several times. You have been my DM and the only it's time true. I've or the I only mastered like, your dungeon. <laughs> you yeah, yes, uh, in such in so many words, you have mastered my dungeon. Um yeah, we so like Dungeons and Dragons has always been a thing I wish I have done more because uh like just playing at that one time with you where basically it was a group of our friends in college who were all interested in it and you had played plenty with like family it's mm-hmm. a family thing, right? You did a lot you played a lot with your siblings yeah, and stuff. Yeah, with my family and then eventually I started playing a bit online too. Yeah. Um, um so you were basically like the the wizened experienced person and the rest of us were just kind of like teach us how and uh, yeah, it was it was really fun, and I wish it would be fun to like have a more established group for that. Um, yeah, but it, it was struggle. it was interesting. Even just like that, there were a few similarities. Like uh, when we when we had our campaign, we had one friend who just really committed to the bit that his whole character was like this very dumb, like yeah, full on warrior knight, and he was just like dumb and overly chivalrous, and would. Uh, he would definitely like it, fuck with people in real life just by being like, all right, I'm going to do like the dumb brash thing every time. And Lance was yeah. definitely like that. that, That's that Lance. Dude. Yeah. hundred percent. That dude. I was just like, what was this character name? Alistair or Alice? It was so the uh, a, I forget. Uh, Aranis or something. Aranis. Like that. Aranis. That's what yeah. And I was like, I was like, it's Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> he, he kept doing that and it was it was funny because like with our friends it never ended up being like growing into like that that much actual like real life tension but there were definitely some times where people were like getting annoyed with him being like bro like listen <laughs> i get that that's your whole character but like <laughs> fuck off <laughs> yeah that's why you never let someone play a chaotic evil character because yeah it's just like Except for he was lawful good. That that's, was his whole. That's thing. the other one that's that's a risk. His his in game character was lawful good, but his uh, out of game actual real life personality was chaotic evil. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, he was playing a lawful stupid character, as they say. Exactly. Um, you're you're so committed to the abstract ideal of righteousness that you get your party killed over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I wanted to talk more about the the so just something you mentioned about like like interactive fiction of this type is mm-hmm. like the, it's not always clear what um, what choices are meaningful and which ones aren't, um, uh-huh. which I do think is just a sort of an interesting like maybe problem of the the form, which is just that when all your choices take the form of like a you know basically a list of options it's really the that kind of like like static modular either or Mm -hmm. way of making choices makes it really hard to just like have a sense of like system mastery like you just never really Mm. know it never you never really feel in the way of like a uh you know a more more real-time like action-based game sure you never really have that sense of like okay if i do this this happens Mm. it's oh so you, here's, you always have a feeling of like okay i think this is what's going to happen but so, i don't so really here's know. here's a counterpoint that what you've just laid out is like the exact intention because right right, right. Uh, the the you know um or maybe this isn't a counterpoint maybe this is the direction you were going but the the whole point with a lot of these games is that it's like there is no right or wrong 
you have to try and make the right de- what you think is the right decision, even not knowing the outcome. Uh, and so, yeah. and a lot of times you don't know what, I mean, I think that's, that's how, uh, some of the better, like sort of narrative games of the last 10 years have, have quote unquote worked, like been successful in that they, uh, don't communicate to you beforehand, which choices are meaningful and which are not. So then you put a lot more thought into every choice because then it's like, I don't know if this little thing I'm making a decision about is going to totally change the course of the game or not have any effect um, or like some decision that seems big and meaningful could have like in the long run not have any meaning like kind of that's that's how they uh, give the illusion of having this like grand massive possibility space is by um, sort of putting you in the mindset of uh, putting a lot of weight in every even the small decisions uh, so that you're thinking consciously about every decision and the potential impacts, even if uh, the the game itself doesn't have that many different, uh, you know, scenarios built in um, just as a matter of, you know, yeah. sort of feasibility. Um, because I think the intention with almost any game, which uh, this is maybe a flawed uh, intention, but the intention is to make it feel like you have this huge agency over the story and the events that happen which really from a storytelling perspective doesn't make that much sense like if you want to tell an effective story letting someone like fuck with the variables of your characters and their uh respective arcs isn't really like the most compelling way to tell a story in the traditional sense it is a different way and i i think like video games are maybe what has been learned over the last few years as the sort of like late 2000s early 2010s like narrative choice based game boom has sort of died off a little bit or at least has left the sort of vogue um you've got a lot more of like systems driven stuff where it's like okay this isn't like explicit explicit narrative choices but uh the way i'm playing the game and interacting with like uh emergent systems like emergent gameplay is what makes the more fun and unique stories and make the possibility space actually much bigger um yeah yeah that's that seems that seems right to me because like um a lot of like uh i think there's kind of been a a shift in the way we think about like even the concept of choice in games is Mm. like unlike game like mass effect um Mm. so like uh, a systems driven game has lots of choices um, yeah like all the time whereas like mass Mm -hmm. effect the way choice is always like it really like first of all tells you you're making a choice uh, mm. it like it frames it in kind of like an either or way and it's very much mm. like you must choose like now yeah. this is the moment you have to yeah. decide the fate of whatever and it's either sure. gonna be this or it's gonna be that whereas mm. it and so it, it creates a very like sort of forking path structure whereas mm. i think um a lot of games now especially like like more like uh triple a games think about choice as kind of like as kind of like a spectrum Mm-hmm. Um, but then the um, obviously games like this where your choice is primarily like dialogue based, uh, there's still the kind of like like branching path structure. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's 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 interesting because I think like when Mass Effect One came out, it was like oh shit, choices in game, narrative game, this is it, this is the future, this is amazing. It's like so many different things can happen. Yeah. Whole characters are dead at the end of this game based on my choices. And then that sort of set this trend that came out in what, 2007? That sort of set this trend that like, uh, 
was it 2007? I want to, I want to say it was 2007 that, um, like a lot of other games were trying it and you, for the next, you know, five years, you got a ton of games Mm -hmm. trying to do the narrative choicing. And some of them did really well, like the walking dead, uh, sort of telltale adventure game. That was one that was really successful and that I enjoyed a lot at the time. Um, life is strange, I think is kind of in that similar. Yeah. Yeah. That that came a little later, but then mass effect three hits and suddenly, uh, a lot of the illusion, I think the illusion was broken for a lot of people of like the story that, or the game that was kind of like the gold standard, uh, like coming to a close and seeing how like sort of, uh, clumsy it was and how little some of those choices had. Yeah. And like the grander meta narrative, um, yeah. Was, uh, kind of now m- made people be step back and be like, okay, maybe this was, uh, not the, uh, not the way we should have gone with all this. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, so the, I, I think we've oh, st- strayed away from it a little bit for sure. Yeah. The other thing that years. I think kind of like people, I, I guess I don't know if I can say like people sort of realize this, but one of the things I've recently started to realize about that, that, um, the, the, we'll call it the mass effect school of like of mm. narrative choice. Is it, it like has the effect of creating these narratives where like it almost is, it, it gets a little contrived the sorts of choice your choices you're being oh, asked absolutely to make, where it's just like like you like contrived in multiple different ways you're being mm. uh characters are trusting you with making choices that it doesn't make a lot of sense why you're being trusted to make it one mm. two uh your choices it's like you never make choices that have a little bit of consequence it's always like sure. really inflated consequence like you do this mm. this person dies or you do this this person dies Mm-hmm. And, um, and then three, it like, uh, they have a kind of like their consequences, um, get like, well, one of two things will happen. Either they will end up doing nothing at all because it's actually hard to like, uh, yeah. have the game world respond to every choice you make or yeah. the, it'll totally like the every, like people will really shove it in your face that you did this. Like, Oh, you, yeah. Things are never going to be the same. You did this. And mm. I, I sort of felt that way about um, Life is Strange because it's like, uh, it's almost a, a kind of like enact, uh, inaction of the this this dynamic where like, mm. are you ever going to play that game? Is this going to be a huge spoiler? I've, I've seen the end of that game. Okay. Before. Your choices are either the uh, Lonnie dies. No, not Lonnie. Mm-hmm. What's the forget her name but the other the main character the main sidekick character that, that um, is isn't that lonnie no lonnie's her friend who went missing the girl with the blue hair yeah is that who you're talking about yeah the girl with the I, blue hair i can't remember her name? name i thought that was lonnie i think lonnie's her friend remember her friend who went missing oh maybe you're right i think lonnie's I her remember. other friend it's been a long time when did that game come out like 2013 I thought like 2015, maybe. I don't know. Oh, maybe Even 2015 has right. been four years there. That's a, a mind oh, fuck. Um, Max is the main character, right? Max. This isn't that important, but I, uh, yes. You uh, can continue but anyways, the, it's either she dies or like global warming destroys the whole town. It's like not clear what, what exactly the causality is there, but it's like um, the whole plot is about how if you change one thing, like all of the, all of the it's like a butterfly effect plot like change one thing yeah and, and the whole world uh will fall apart and that's almost kind mm-hmm. of like a met it almost felt like a meta comment on the like way that that uh interactive 
plots almost always are, which is like, you know, mm. the the fate of the world rests on the choice you make. Sure, um, absolutely. I mean, I think that's something that like at the time when you're first playing Mass Effect or Mass Effect 2, it feels like the 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 thing that felt so great, you thought it was that like, oh, everything I have has this like huge impact on like the world and the story going forward. But really, I think the the when the choices in the Mass Effect game specifically in sort of that school of thought work the best is like in Mass Effect 2 when it's like build attachment to these characters and then like they can die. And it's yeah. like will that really have that much effect on the next game other than that character isn't there? No, but I like that character and I don't want them to be dead because I like them. Right? Yeah. So I think it's like I don't know. I there were there's still good things to be had in there, but definitely, uh, definitely. Like going looking back, I played Mass Effect 2 um, in like 2017, I want to say, whenever the new Mass Effect that we don't speak of uh, was coming out, and I was like getting hyped on it. I was like so ready for new Mass Effect. I'm like, oh, I should go back and replay Mass Effect 2. And the thing that I ended up feeling is like so much of the stuff you do is like very rote because it's like mm. so specific. Like, all right, every character, you have a recruitment mission, you meet them, you hang out with them a little bit, you try and talk to them between every big yeah. mission. <laughs> yeah. And then you <laughs> eventually get their, uh, their, uh, loyalty mission. Yeah. And <laughs> either you, uh, do their loyalty mission and they will, there's a very good chance they will survive the final conflict or you don't do their loyalty mission and they will die. Yep. And it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. Like at the time I remember it feeling like this amazing thing of like, Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. But then like, I don't know, coming back to it, knowing what I know now, it was like, Oh yeah, this is all like very pretty much like pretty explicitly laid out and like kind of wrote in certain ways of like, yeah. all right, if I check all these boxes, then everyone will probably live unless I like really fuck it up. Um, yeah. That, and now that I think about it, that's kind of like just the, like that is the formula for companion, uh, like character development in mm-hmm. RPGs at this point. Like mm-hmm. that's a hundred percent how Pathfinder, uh, the game I just played, uh, Kingmaker Pathfinder is it's like mm. like you have you get these characters in between main missions you get side missions where you have to you have to you know help them with some story specific to you know their angsty past and mm. uh, if you don't do it then they're less likely to live like yeah that is yeah I guess Math Effect did kind of popularize that although it's I think Knights of the Republic is kind of that way too. Sure, and I mean, I think I think of Knights of the Old Republic and Mass Effect in like the very a very similar vein. I mean, basically, yeah, they're they may as well be uh, like sequel and prequel to to one another uh, in like gameplay and sort of systems and ideas. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the certainly the more RPG elements. I mean, Mass Effect has the obvious like innovation of being a live, sure like real time shooter. Sure. Um, but, uh, so back to don't split the party, uh, just one thing that I, um, uh, I sort of just like that conversation about interactive fiction, I think, uh, sort of like helps us see how this, this game works because, uh, Mm. even on the, um, this whole game is really like a series of those kinds of choices, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like either or one or the other, 
you know, you must choose. Occasionally there are three options. Occasionally there but... are three, but it's it's usually the primary conflict is between Allison and um Lance. Uh, and Lance. So it's really a matter of like uh choosing. But the thing that this mm. game does uh differently is it's not about like make forcing you to pick a side. It's about you trying to uh mm. keep them balanced. Um, oh sure because and i think it it really is like if you pick the thing that enables uh one character to be on their bullshit too much then Uh it like that is what will cause the other one to storm off um yeah so it really is like a a kind of balance game um but uh oh and so i i really like that they i felt like the layout of the space evoked that very well you know allison's Mm. on one side lance on the other the table's yeah. like perfectly symmetrical and you're sitting right in the middle. Oh, and then yeah, the, the, the bubbles are over their heads, like your speech bubbles. It's like you're sure. you're weighing in on one side or the other. Yeah, um, you're adjudicating, mediating the situation. Yeah. And then the other two characters are just kind of like along for the ride, trying to, ver- similarly yeah. to you, trying to just like weather the storm and and not, not at, at the very least, not add to the tensions. Yeah, um, avert their eyes. <laughs> Yeah, just be like, uh, guys, can we uh, can we all just be friends? It's really weird. Yeah. Um. Well, did you have any other big thoughts on uh, or little um, thoughts even? Any thoughts of any uh, sort? One thing I did have is just that. Uh, come on, Lance. Why are you being such a? Yeah, dude. Like, clearly, the it was like in game. It was um. It was almost hard to try to balance out the the conflict because it's so clear that lance is the one being a shithead um yeah, but being a pain in the ass but it wasn't it was a little more i felt like the issue of the musical it sounded like the sides were a little more even you don't get a lot of details about <clears throat> the nature of their fight but it at least mm. felt more like a case could be made for either person but when oh, lance sure. is like proposing all of his strategies it's like no yeah. that's clearly the wrong one yeah he was pulling a real Nolan, you know, just being like, I'm going to do this no matter what you say. It's like, listen, <laughs> this is what my hair in the ass. Do. We're all just trying to, you know, we only have a few hours a week, you know, that we can all meet up and play the Dungeons and Dragons. Lance, you know, chill the fuck out, dude. Uh, oh, I wait. I did remember <clears throat> one question I had for you is yes. what happened to the general in yours? Uh, He he did. I, he died in both of mine too. I wanted to know if it's even possible to save him. Yeah, I yeah I wonder if it is. Uh, my guess would be maybe not. I think because that's uh, supposed supposed to sort of be a moment where the tensions are maybe at their climax or close to their climax. Yeah. The um, one thing I haven't so. tried that I think might save him <clears throat> is so you're given the choice of Lady Malakath starts dropping the general in the lava or she starts mm-hmm. summoning her armor. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if she starts dropping him in the lava then mm-hmm. lance jumps for him and then you fudge the roll i think that's what you have to if oh, it's I possible see. to save him i think that's what it would be okay but i didn't I'm actually sure. remember if there was a if there was a fudge the roll there was there. i know because i pick, i didn't do it i never picked fudge the roll i i would never you know i i sometimes I see i just <clears throat> felt like since he rolled an eight that was too too low to be not nah, fucking plausible he knew, for a fudge. he knew the risks <laughs> He did know the risks. He knew Lance. the risks. Lance. Lance. Actually, it, this did make me think about, I've always thought DMing would be fun, 
Problem is, the prep work all seems like way too much for me. Yeah. What I need is someone to prep an interesting, uh, like narrative and stuff, yeah. and then I'm and I'm then I'm the improviser and the uh, describer of cool shit the characters do. Yeah, that's that um. I mean, that's fun. what that's what pre-made adventures are, right? You just gotta find yeah, yourself. Yeah, but a good I want one. something. Even more then, there's a little bit of prep, though. It's like yeah. What I want, Jordan, is you to prep all the narrative stuff and build all that stuff, and then I just describe the cool shit that people do and uh, tell them fuck you when they make a bad roll. <laughs> Never let them fudge it. Oh, you um, sound like a delight. Yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, back when we played, it was it was really fun. Uh, I don't know, just coming up with silly things. I think we all went in with like these sort of like serious characters and then our campaign ended up being a lot more like silly and fun. Yeah. With, uh, well, your, know, your weapon be- was called a hungamunga. Hungamunga. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, in, in, in lieu of, uh, waxing nostalgic for the last uh, 10 minutes. P&P. Yeah. Maybe we should, uh, move on to what we're going to be playing next week. Uh, uh yes. So next <laughs> week we're going to be playing a game little bit misleading title but it's called spider-man ultimate adventure uh it's a spider-man fan game that it seems like the the primary mechanic is uh swinging around new york buildings as spider-man but spider-man has a humorously waggly ragdoll body you're just flinging him around uh not totally in control and that is uh that's the game. Uh, so our goal is it, to play it, it as soon as possible before it gets taken down for copyright infringement, which yeah. seems like a you know a a realistic risk with this. So we'll mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we're going to be playing that next week. Um, uh, you can find the game on uh, Free Game Planet, uh, or you can just follow us on uh, on Twitter, and we will tweet it out to you. That's at uh, EdgeGuardCast. Uh, we tweet out all our new episodes, games we play, tweet out uh, the creators of the games. We tweet out their Twitter handles, too, if they have them, uh, so that you can follow them and see what new what new stuff they're coming out with. Um, so if that sounds like something for you, you should follow us on Twitter. Um, it's a good time. And, uh, and uh, we will, with that, talk to you next week. <laughs>